Introducing Mortgage Matters. This is a great time to go buy a house. This is when the real estate fortunes are made. A show dedicated to helping you navigate the challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac were put into conservatorship in 2008 and continued to dominate the mortgage market. Now, your hosts, Dan Podesto and Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. The fact that you're being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess is an outrage. Broadcasting live from the KVEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? It's time for Mortgage Matters. Hey, all right. Good morning, everyone. Sound loud to you? It's loud to me. I'm loud. Good. Good. I feel like I'm having headphone difficulties. It happens from time to time. How you doing on this Easter weekend, Dan? Very good. Awesome. Yeah. We're going to do some Easter egg hunting tomorrow. Oh? Yeah. Last night we... um, we and we had my two and four year old color Easter eggs, and boy, was that an adventure! Oh, I saw a, a hack. You're supposed to do it in oh, like an egg whisk. Yeah, we tried that. It tends to really just make a bigger mess. Yeah, it's you don't get as clean of a line. Mm. I mean, I guess it's fine. For I the could kids. see how <laughs> that would bother you. <laughs> <laughs> kind of floats around in there. I've never been a big fan of Easter egg stuff in general yeah it's messy the fingers are turning blue and purple spots on the table yeah my wife has enough enthusiasm for the both of us (laughs) i'm regularly accused of being like the the bah humbug around all the little (laughs) bah humbug of easter yeah in fact i was telling this story last night to a sympathizing parent about how like even at Halloween now, the kids are like, let's carve pumpkins. And I go, I'll tell you what, somebody cleans a pumpkin out for me. I'll come cut the eyes, nose, and mouth in it. And then you guys are going to deal with the whole mess. And they're like, deal. So that was the, that was the better uh, Halloween setup for me this year. I just wow. don't like all that stuff. Wouldn't call yourself an artsy person. I mean, I'm plenty artsy. I just, it's the <laughs> just like making the, the mess in the house. And come on, those pumpkin guts and stuff. It may, might be defined as a curmudgeon. Maybe. <laughs> there we go. I'll take whatever it's called. <laughs> I'll own it, man. I just don't like it that much. My family went out of town um, to go, you know, it's tail into spring break. So they're doing some Easter stuff down south with family. And my kids are going to do... Easter with my wife's side of the family is be really fun for everyone. And my daughter said, when I get home on Sunday, can we do an Easter egg hunt at our house? <laughs> Aren't you doing one? Aren't you doing one already? We're going to do one too. <laughs> Once every 365. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's fun. The kids how many fun Easter egg them. hunts can you do? <laughs> hey, we got a big show today, huh? Yeah, we do. We, we, we've got... Guests, we've got a scheduled call-in around 9.30 from Mike Points, mm. uh, telling us about a open house of a new community down in, um, I believe it's Arroyo Grande, might be Pismo, not entirely sure. My computer well, decided things. that right now is the time to do updates, so everything mm. that I prepared for today's show is behind that blue screen. Mm. 20%. those could be a while yeah in fact two times in the last six months my computer hung on that update thing where it just didn't go 
and and it I'm like at work. I got to work. I got a lot to do. My computer's just sitting there. All right, I guess I'll get some more coffee. Uh, walk around, come back. Oh, good. Still hasn't even moved. And so then after like, you know, sometime around 1030, you're like, you know what? I'm doing the thing where you're going to push the button and hope that this thing comes back to life after I do a restart in the middle of these updates. Because you're never supposed to do that. But two times I've had to do it. The good news is it didn't blow up. So. Good. I hope you don't have to do that. It's very stressful. I did um I did want to share a a question from a listener that didn't occur during the show, obviously it occurred um during the week at the office. Um I thought it was interesting. Um something that's probably not too uncommon around here. Um we had a caller, Trisha. She's uh she's a listener of the show. She lives in Arroyo Grande, she has a few acres there. And um, her neighbor has an, a, another, you know, few acre parcel next to her, and the neighbor is. It wasn't totally clear to me, but is looking to drill a well. And it sounds like he had some well folks out at the property, and they weren't able to find a spot to drill on his property, mm-hmm. but they were able to find a spot to drill on. Trisha's property. One small catch. <laughs> right. A well would go perfect right over on your neighbor's property. Yeah. So um, he was volunteering to pay for um, pay for the costs of, of drilling the well and which isn't cheap. And no. and so but he was expecting that he would have full rights and half ownership of that well. And um Sounds it, like he's trying to buy water from his neighbor to me. Kind of. It didn't. It didn't sound like that would necessarily be the case to me. And so we've referred um, referred her to a real estate attorney to address the issue the right way. Yeah, I think there needs to be some kind of management agreement between it. I mean, ultimately, if he's going to have some ownership interest to it, they need to create an easement that he can have ingress, egress to access it, maintain it, whatever needs to happen. Um, that's on her property, so what's that worth? Right. And then the interesting thing, too, is that, you know, and these are the kind of things where it's your neighbor, and it sound, maybe they have a good relationship. I don't know. Um, he's comfortable enough to ask. But so just suppose, though, that you're a couple years down the road and somebody needs to sell one of the properties. If I'm the seller, okay, I'm going to sell this property. Um, there's a handshake agreement on this well down at the bottom of the property. The neighbor's getting the water out of it, and it's cool because we split it, and now you're like, mm, would a buyer have issues with you that you created this kind of weird relationship for them? Um, and then at the same time, like, what if the neighbor, um, you know, I don't know, they die or they sell the property, and then suddenly the new neighbor is just not you know, the person you want to be doing favors for. So I think it's, it's probably not uncommon. Like you said, I mean, I imagine it happens around the County from time to time. Um, I am not well-versed enough in the law to know exactly how it's handled, handled, but I got to believe that they need to address it legally, have an agreement, have something recorded against title. Yeah. Have an easement, have a, um, a maintenance agreement in place for what happens, you know, going into it. Cause imagine this, you say, okay, that's fine. Let's do it. We'll set up the well. And then you split the cost of the well. Right. And so you're almost 50, 50 owner of it. And then Two years later, the well pump needs to be dropped for a cost of some amount of thousands of dollars. But 
if I'm the property owner, I'm it's on my property, but I'm not really using the water from it. I don't want to pay to have it dropped, you know. So why split it? It sounds like there there might be some motivation we don't quite understand to split or share it, but um, definitely need to figure out a legal agreement to sort that whole thing out. Yeah, manage it going forward because no doubt it changes. Those kind of things always change. Right. It's not. I wouldn't have agreed to it if I knew it was going to go this way. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know. So it was a good question. I d- I thank Trisha for listening to the show and calling in with that question and allowing us to help her out, provide her a, a good referral for that situation. You and I talked a little bit about this yesterday, and I remembered after we hung up, um, it wasn't a well that I recall in Garden Farms that this happened on. It was a septic system. Uh where something similar yeah really similar and so this person had a house very near the creek and they needed a new leach field basically to um you know continue using it because the existing leach was past its useful life they were out of real estate to do it because of where it was next to the creek property boundary lines so the neighbor goes to his buddy neighbor and says hey i need to you know bury a leach field over here in your property it's going to be below ground shouldn't be that big of a deal so they're friends the owner says well sure do it so they did and next thing you know there's an issue where you know somebody else now owns the house with the leach field and the other dude's property and that guy's going no wait a minute you know because we ask maybe people don't realize this too but on an appraisal we need to know what sort of utilities are you tied into, you know, electric, gas, water, sewer? And if you're not, if you're on a well or you're on a septic system, there's some questions that need to be asked about that. So anyway, it, it definitely gets tricky quick when you're trying to locate some of those primary, you know, those most basic health and safety utilities onto the neighbor's property. But good question. And... uh I'm sure they'll get the the good legal answer. There's got to be some way to work it out. How's your computer doing, bud? 83%. Oh, you're making progress. Making a lot of progress yeah. So. We're like, you know. I should have it all wrapped up by the first commercial break. <laughs> One more story away here from uh, being able to to get you up with whatever you brought in. Um Gosh, I clipped all kinds of notes here. I feel like it's a difficult time now to try to figure out. Well, I think one of the takeaways from the week for me was a a bond market that's exceeded by expectations with rates falling. You know, we had been in this... um, this yield range, this 10-year yield, which, as you know, listening to the show all the time, um, the 10-year Treasury yield is the benchmark, um, which we measure, or which usually the 30-year mortgage tracks. And we had been in a range where really the bottom end was a a 2.35% 10-year yield. We saw it fall well below that this week, a good um, 10 or 12 basis points below that. And so rates have... They're getting pretty good. They're getting really good. They're getting pretty darn good. Um, I mean, now I'm back to like I don't know where they're going. I'm I'm ready to cheer. They just keep going <laughs> lower and lower. Yeah, the ten year. Of course, the bond market was closed yesterday because it was Good Friday. 
Um, Thursday, the bond market finished up at 2.23 for the 10-year, which um, is that's a, a great low reading for us. I, I used to joke at one of the meetings I gave, you know, I was like, where economic data, um, whenever there's bad news, is really good for the bond market and good for interest rates. And so basically I would joke, like, man, if I had a, a voodoo doll of the economy, I'd be sticking pins in it every day <laughs> just trying to get these rates to go down. And um, so, yeah, yesterday in the office we were talking about that because suddenly there's a little bit of refinance activity again. We have people calling up going, hey, I'm I'm wondering if there's an opportunity for me to lower my rate. There's um, people who were thinking about doing a refi in October of last oh, year and, and got surprised. Got by, the rug pulled out from yeah, under you. Rates and went now up they're back. pretty dramatically right after the election. And so, yeah, now they're back. And I, I wouldn't su- a, suggest they're all the way there. Um, I sent out a no points quote yesterday for 3.99. Oh, wow. So back just, in the threes, the threes are the back. difference between the three point nine nine and the four. Believe me, is nothing more than psychological. On this loan amount, it was like three dollars and twenty cents a month. But hey, a rate in the threes? Are you hey, kidding me? That's something you can talk about proudly at the next cocktail party. We haven't been seeing those very much here in twenty seventeen. So it was obviously quite welcome. But yeah, I'd, so talking to the. Um, the guys at the disclosure desk, you know, there's loan officers that are putting on rate and term refinances. Get this for people that don't need cash out, aren't getting a divorce, aren't getting rid of mortgage insurance, just simply getting a lower interest rate and lower payment. Hmm. That was pretty encouraging to me. Be be pretty sweet to couple one more. Oh, the. God, if you're listening, one more summer of low rates and lots of real estate sales. <laughs> Just one. I promise I won't squander this one. <laughs> and with loan amounts as high as they are around here, I mean, really, a, a quarter to a half point decline in interest rate can be a few uh, pretty hundred substantial. dollars savings per month. Yeah, pretty substantial. Hey, it's a 920 here, so we're going to load up the first break, take some time out to thank the sponsors. Uh, we'll be back in just a couple minutes with more Mortgage Matters. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your host, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. All right, guys, welcome back. So, Dan, last week I told you that I wanted to talk a little bit about a reverse mortgage I did, and uh, I we didn't. Yeah, let's we got we got tell me the conversation it. got hijacked, man. <laughs> I couldn't even get a word in. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, there's basically just as a, a flyby, I want to I want to kind of go back over this again real quick because I got uh, I got a phone call again yesterday from a, a gal that listens to the show. Uh, I think she's going to come in next week and um, and chat. But basically, in a position where um, wanting to lower the mortgage payment. And once you get to a, a place where um, income-wise you're struggling with qualifying, if you're over 62, there's another option available. And um, like most conversations, this one started off pretty similar as everybody's heard about the reverse mortgage, right? I mean, rarely do we find somebody that's like, oh, I had no idea that exists. And so... Um, Everybody's heard about it. It's really misunderstood. 
and um, you know, so I'm I'm trying to do my part to bring everybody up to speed on it. And um, what a fantastic program it is. Um, we had a transaction. I don't know if it's closed yet, but um, for the first time, we're doing a transaction where somebody's using a reverse mortgage to buy a home. And that again, that's a program that's existed for a long time. It's just really underutilized and. Um, you can use a reverse mortgage to buy a home. Many people don't know that. So anyway, this phone call that I was having yesterday reminded me just again that reverse mortgage, I think, is a topic that's going to become more and more prevalent. We're going to talk more and more about it. And in years going forward, we're going to see a greater market share of reverse mortgages than ever before. Um, in fact, when we were we were driving to the ball game, you know, a week ago, we got going on this. Just just lone guys driving in the car talking about it gets kind of exciting, um, you know. So here's the deal: is it's a really misunderstood loan. I want to talk a little bit about those misconceptions. You know, the idea that you can lose your house or lose all of the equity in your house, or if you die with equity, that somehow the that HUD just gets that money or something, and it's just not true. Um, so first of all, you know, a reverse mortgage at its at its core is really a loan where instead of paying the monthly interest on your mortgage, it's being added to the loan balance. So um, make no mistake about it, the loan balance is growing over time. And so, and you're still paying a payment. It's just not coming out of your checking account. It's coming out of the equity of your home. Yeah, it's kind of a running ledger on the house that you know, if the interest cost this year on your house was gonna be twenty thousand bucks, if you got an interest only loan, you would have paid twenty thousand bucks. But instead, the twenty thousand dollars gets added to the mortgage, you know, over the course of the year. And so, um, you know, obviously over time with a loan balance growing, your equity position is diminishing. But that's why they they give you sort of a maximum borrowing amount so that you can't, um, in theory, exceed what you owe on the home uh, or what the home is worth by your know, loan balance. And so um, they started out with a factor that's my experience is somewhere between 50 and 60 percent of the home's value. So I actually I always thought it was kind of a mystery what the loan to values were. It's actually I. I I got educated on it a little bit recently, and it's a sliding scale depending on age. Yeah. At 62, it starts at the max LTV loan to value is 52%. Mm-hmm. And as you work your way up to borrowers that are 90 and over, you can you can get as much as 75% loan to value. And it's just small little increment incremental increases for every year in age between 62 and 90. Right. And just the idea there is a 62-year-old borrower has a greater likelihood of being in that home and having that loan for 20 or 30 years versus a borrower that's 90. The odds of them having that loan and being in that home for 20 or 30 years are pretty slim. So the younger you are, the lower loan to value that you're going to get out of the mortgage. And so it works, purchase and refi. There's an option for you to be able to buy a home. And, you know, think about that for a minute. Who would want to buy a home with a reverse mortgage? Well, oftentimes somebody's like, because when you get to that point where you're over 62, you're either retired or thinking about retirement, you could, maybe you need to cash in that two-story home out at the coast 
and go and buy a home that's in, you know, closer to town, single level, you know, price wise, if you, if you don't have all the equity, cause maybe you didn't own your home free and clear, then you want to buy this new home. If you're making the payment with savings, you're taking it out of an IRA, you're taking it out of the stock market, you're taking it out of the bond market, you're taking it out, any asset that you're depleting to debt service your mortgage, you've got to be able to do the math on that and, and understand if that's the best thing for you to do to keep the roof over your head. And How about this? How about, like, I'm going to use my mom as, a, as an example. She's over the age of 62. She's retired. She's on a fixed income. Um, she lives in Sacramento, owns her house free and clear. Um, but she wants to move to the coast, where homes are so much more expensive. But she, the, the income that she receives on a monthly basis provides her the ability to go out with her friends, go sure. on vacations, do things like that. She doesn't have a lot of extra money left over after she does the things she enjoys, but she wants to live in this more expensive, nicer area. Not necessarily a bigger home, just a more expensive area. Sure. So she can take that equity, put it into a new home purchase. Maybe she's going to still need to borrow 400 grand on it or something. Um, but to, not need to make a payment. But then in order to maintain the same lifestyle, she can get a reverse mortgage instead and, and mm -hmm. still have that same fixed income to afford the lifestyle she likes. Right. We could literally line up scenarios all day long why a reverse mortgage is pretty smart. And the reason I think that it's, it's gaining um, kind of popularity right now is that the financial advisors have begun to realize that this is a tool to be used in your overall investment strategy, right? This was really enlightening to me. I didn't realize the tax advantage. Yeah. So one of the things, you know, and of course, everybody that's considering this, you need to go talk to your own tax professional. You need to figure the whole thing out. But this is what I'm reading, okay, is that when you get a reverse mortgage, like right now, when you're paying your mortgage at the end of the year, you get your, your 1098. Yeah, yeah. That says, well, you paid $18,000 in mortgage interest, and so you get to deduct that from this year's taxes. When you have a reverse mortgage, you didn't actually pay those tax. You didn't pay any of that interest this year. It's accruing. So it sits there and it builds and it builds and it builds and it builds. And then let's say 15 years later, you pass away. Well, now there's an event that needs to happen. According to the reverse mortgage, your estate now is going to pay off that loan and, and no more reverse mortgage on it. Or you're going to sell that by, you know, to some other party. And when they buy it, the reverse mortgage is going to be paid off. So let's say you started with a $200,000 reverse mortgage, and it now is a $300,000 balance because of 15 years of deferred interest. And I'm just spitballing numbers. I don't know if that's real or not. But no write-off along the way because it wasn't actually paid. And now all of a sudden, there's a, it's paid off, and there's $100,000 in interest paid right there in one tax year as a pretty significant event. And if that's an end-of-life estate settlement event, there's a $100,000 offset now for money that maybe wasn't protectable in some other way or was going to have some the, – the estate itself was going to have some tax liability for some other reason. So it's one of these things. And so looking back at, like, the bigger picture of it, let's talk about that person that – maybe you're self-employed. Okay, I'm going to use this guy. Self-employed made – 
put $2 million between retirement accounts, investment accounts, all these things, right? And is using those monies to pay the mortgage every month. So every month, taking money out of the market that's making, you tell me, you know, is it three or five or eight or 12%? I don't know. I don't know how it's invested or what part of the economic cycle we're in. But point being, there that money has an ability to stay working. And every time you deplete part of it to pay the mortgage payment, you're taking some money out of play to, to service a debt. And so what the financial advan- advisors are, are latching on to is that it's time now for people to consider their home and their equity as on the table for making a smart investment strategy of how to have money well into your retirement. And um, I think that's a really important thing. The reason I wanted to bring it up and really share it again is that we got to shift the mentality away from reverse mortgages being a shameful thing that, you know, do you feel that way? I feel like it's one of those things where our goals, especially if you're in your 60s right now, I think you're raised under this idea that debt's bad, pay off your house, when you retire you'll have a free and clear house, and then that's the inheritance you'll give to your kids. And um, that's all, I mean, it's nice to pay off a house and have that inheritance to give away or whatever, but same thing, think about that guy that's depleting money in the stock market to service a house Um, that he's trying to pay off so that he could leave his kids a house that's free and clear without as much money in the stock market, you know? And and at some point, it's kind of a balance sheet, right? Aren't you kind of a balance sheet? You've got money in and money out, and you've got, you know, these liabilities like the mortgage, but you've got assets like money in the market or whatever. And even if it's not money in the market, oftentimes people that are getting you know, three or five or $7,000 a month from social security, pension, whatever other things they might have going on. And to take that money and just put it right towards the mortgage when you really don't have to, you could maybe save it or invest it, do something in another way. There's a broader view now of, of how this thing could be used um, in that retirement planning, estate planning. Um, so anyways, it's coming around a lot. The reverse mortgage I meant to talk about last week, um, I just wanted to talk about it because it it was another, you know, I've been doing loans a long time. I've looked at a lot of loan applications, and I've helped a lot of people with financing. There's always a few standout cases um, where you get down to the end of it and you realize that you really made a difference in someone's life. Um, When you come in to me for a refinance and we tuck you into a new loan, low cost, save you 200 bucks a month, that's cool. Everybody feels good about that. I make a little money, you get a lower payment, we're all happy. That's not that impactful. Um, This reverse mortgage that I closed recently um, was for a gal who came to me about a year ago and her husband out of the blue of like 40 years came to her and said, I want a divorce. And... You know, he had some pension, she had some social security, they didn't have a lot, they had a pretty small mortgage um, on the house that they had lived in for almost 40 years, and she, they'd raised their kids there, and I mean, it, this gal's in her mid-70s, and you know, of course you have to have some tough conversations, but the bottom line is that this was her home, this is where her heart is, she really wanted to be there, and so she came to me asking for a loan. 
I need a loan to pay off what is a $155,000 mortgage. Um, and I have to give my husband, as they separated all the property, she needed to give her husband like another $90,000 or so to keep the house. And so when I looked at all the math, oh man, I'm so sad to have to tell you that you don't qualify for this. You don't make enough money. Started, she started spitballing ideas. Well, what if I got a roommate and what if I got a job and what if, you know, what if, what if, what if, and and then it it sort of dawned on me midway through this conversation. It's like, hey, have you ever thought about a reverse mortgage? And immediately kind of bump into those things of like, I don't want to do that. I don't like that. I don't want to lose my house. And I'm like, okay. So now we have to spend some time breaking down some of those objections because many of them are not based in truth. I think that's the feedback I've always received about a reverse mortgage, that it feels like it's some kind of scam. How can you have a loan on your property and not have to make a payment? You know, there's these stories, I don't know if they're true or not, that people have lost title to their home. I know back in the, let's call it the Wild West of the mortgage days in the early 2000s, just like there were some very creative loan programs, regular loan programs, for forward mortgages, let's call them. There were also these proprietary reverse mortgage programs. Yeah. And they weren't backed by HUD like the reverse mortgages today. The only kind of reverse mortgage you get today is a HUD reverse mortgage. Right. It's government insured. It's, you know. Well, and then here's the deal is and by the way i'll finish up with that gal we made it we here's what happened as i started explaining to her like you know what there we need to learn about this and i i want you to know that there's immediately i in unfortunately we just have to acknowledge this sometimes is that you know i'm a commission loan officer i make my money by selling loans so let's let's just put that on the table first and foremost um you don't maybe you listen to the show maybe you don't maybe you know me or you don't whatever we can sit down together you can do your best at trying to get a sense of the kind of person i am and how comfortable are you and am i really objectively trying to help you serve your best interest that's a challenging thing i think to to be really confident in i like to think that we're good at helping people realize that but at the end of the day there's so much in the world. You hear these stories about people like that push somebody into something or other. And if they had just known better, they wouldn't have done it, you know? And so with this gal, we brought in her niece who, um, was extremely savvy. Um, we also brought in her daughter who is a teacher at the college. So we sat down and said, Hey, look, Here's the thing. We have some education to do. Need to learn all about this. Need to learn the ins and outs. Need to decide if you're comfortable. Need to dispel these misconceptions and myths and decide whether or not this is a program that might just be the fix for you. Um, they left my office. And then you know what the first step is in a reverse mortgage? The always first step. You have to go to a HUD-approved counselor. And guess what? At that counseling session, this person is not so you you pay you know i think it's 30 or 50 bucks or something and you pay for this counseling session they get paid regardless of whether you get a reverse mortgage or not and their whole job is to make sure that you understand perfectly no salesmanship 
no breezing over this issue. Like I said before, the loan balance is growing. And I think sometimes loan officers are afraid to even say that. Like, hey, look, guys, the deferred interest is being added onto the loan, and the loan balance is going up every month. So in year two, you're paying now more because you have a you know the interest on a bigger loan amount. That's how it works. And is it snowballing? Yeah, it is. That's what happens. That's how it works. But you know, you, you we know what's going to happen with it, and we can sit down and understand that. And there's um, a schedule to it. You can see what it's going to be. 10 years from now, 20 right. years from now. You, and as you can known... imagine, this is a government program. Yeah. So the disclosures are thick. Whenever a new loan officer sees the reverse mortgage disclosures, they laugh a little bit because it's it's like 200 pages of disclosures. It's a lot. And um, But anyway, you go meet with a HUD counselor, and that's where you have this opportunity really to understand it greatly. And when you walk out of there, if you still want to move forward with it, then you begin the reverse mortgage process. So um, anyway, it, that loan closed. That that lovely lady gets to stay in her home now. And um, of all the change, as you could imagine, you know, a marriage of 40-some years and being in the same house for 40 years and how much her world is changing pretty rapidly it was a really satisfying feeling to know that because she came to me and because we were able to figure out the fix for her, we minimized now the impact of this change, maybe only a little bit, but somewhat. She's getting to stay in her house. The objective is met. Um, she's be happy and live out the rest of her days there without having to have a roommate, without having to get a second job or whatever, you know, it just, it's a really, really a gratifying thing. And when I look back now of all of the loans that I've done, the reverse mortgages are generally the ones that have the most profound impact on the borrower and that you, you can see that. I mean, it's a, it's really an impressive thing. Um, I had one where we, you know, did the reverse mortgage to um, basically take out some crippling payments that were just causing these people's retirement years, which should be joyful, to be miserable. And when they came in, they said, they first said, we're just dying under this debt and we need help. And so I said, well, what's your goal here? You, you're, you guys are killing yourselves to leave your kids a house with no mortgage on it. And sometimes you need to just realize that you don't have to do that. And they laughed and said, our kids are rich. They all went to college and they're doctors and lawyers. And, you know, we don't need to leave them a home at all anymore. And the, the fact is, it, it, in that case, it proved that they got into the position they got in because they'd sacrificed so much to make sure that their kids could go to school and not have student loans and all these kind of things. And it impacted them in their retirement and so once you got down to the end of that and said wait a minute you already did it all the kids are all set up now leaving them a house with no mortgage isn't the end all goal anymore in fact if we all sat down in a room together and we're perfectly honest about this your kids would probably encourage you to do it so that they could know that you enjoyed the heck out of your retirement years not that you were slaving away and still trying to play catch up from the lifetime you spent paving the road for them, you know? So anyway, it's uh, that's your reverse mortgage talk for the day. <clears throat>
Thanks for engaging me. <laughs> it's a good one. It, it's a it's a misunderstood program, like you said, and it's but it can be very valuable in certain situations. So there's a lot of information out there on the internet to read about it <clears throat> if it's piqued your curiosity. And then otherwise, I want people to know too. If you guys want to learn about it, if you want to just come in and get the number run through the calculator, maybe get the the <clears throat> number to the HUD counselors that are available. If you just want to check in on that you can you can call us anytime we're always happy to to help fill those calls you give a much different um sales pitch for the reverse mortgage than i see typically on tv it's oh like tom selleck. tom selleck or someone it's like i trust magnum pi of course i'll <laughs> of course. get a reverse mortgage from him Maybe that guy from the quakers <laughs> commercial <laughs> yeah. yeah all right we got to take a break um when we come back i think we're going to be joined by mike points he's going to call in and tell us about a new community down in Arroyo Grande, so stick around for that. And we'd love to hear from you in the second hour of the show. You can always give us a call here live in the studio at 543-8830. Stick around for more Mortgage Matters. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to centralcoastlending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. All right, guys, welcome back. Supposed to be having a call in here from Mike Points. I wonder if he's listening to the show because he's the yeah, he's listening. Mike, are you listening? You're supposed to call. Maybe he doesn't know the number. 543-8830. Supposed to call Mike. <laughs> this is well rehearsed as you can tell. Yeah, perfectly orchestrated. No calls, huh? Well, quiet radio is never good. Does he does he have a nickname like No Points? Like, do they ever call him that? Not yet. <laughs> hey, there's a phone call. I there wonder who go. it is. <laughs> who could it be? Who could it be? Who could it be? Hey, you made it, Mike. Hey guys, how hey! you doing? <laughs> good. How are you? So surprised. Thanks for calling so in. So glad. So glad you mentioned the phone number. There we go. Did you forget? <laughs> I had another one down. I, I was calling like some phone tree or something. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> if you want to reach yeah. K-Jug, press 1 now. <laughs> right. I'm like, I want to reach Jason and Dan. <laughs> <laughs> That's when I get frustrated at the phone tree. And I'm I'm sure like the employees out in the office hear me, but I'm in the office. It's like, press 1 if you want to. And I'm just going, human. People, <laughs> operator, person, people. Sometimes it works. They've got like, they, if they hear the you begging for like a real live body, they'll yeah. get you on. But anyway, morning, Mike. Welcome to Mortgage Matters. Thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, good, good show thus far. I like to talk about reverse mortgages. You know, I've got plenty of that. Plenty of that stuff happening for me as well, clients calling in about that. So, um, really prudent topic. I'm calling about another topic today, though, something very exciting for people looking for brand new homes in South County. Awesome. Um, yeah, I've got a, I'm just calling to promote the grand opening of Bella Sarah New Homes Development by Coastal Community Builders. It is located just outside the village in Arroyo Grande, and it's, it's a really neat development. It's only 11 units tucked in amongst rural landscapes. So you've, you've got the kind of the best of both worlds, a rural lifestyle with minutes away from city and amenities. And um, Linda is the lead real estate agent. 
um, Linda with Coastal Community Builders, is she's actually out at the site today from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. meeting with anyone who's interested in purchasing a brand new home um, through Coastal Community Builders. And I've got a couple of a couple details here I'd like to share if you guys don't mind about the the homes. Sure, yeah. So there's three floor plans ranging from 1,900 square feet up to 2,300 square feet. Um, all of them, one of the floor plans is a two-story, but the other two are single level. And all of them have at least three bathrooms. The two-story has four, excuse me, bedrooms. And uh, what's neat about these homes is, is the lots are structured in such a way where every lot is it. They're all at least 7,000 square feet. Some of them go up to as much as 12,000 square feet. Hmm. And they all look back into, you know, beautiful scenery and, and, and honestly no other homes whatsoever at this time. So it's, it's really quite nice. And, you know, Linda's great. We, what I'd also like to say is that we've had the opportunity to work with Linda and Coastal Community Builders on this project as their preferred lender. We're one of the two lenders that works on the project. So, um, you know, we're very aware of it at Central Coast Lending, but I'd, I'd like to help maybe the listeners and anyone interested to understand how this process works when you find a new home and how you get pre-approved and, and the timeline. Do we have time for that on the show today? Or Yeah. Well, you guys can elaborate and kick me off the air, but what we typically do with the real estate, the real estate agents at the development People come by and look at these model homes, and they think to themselves, "This is this is exactly what we want." Then they need to sit with a lender that's preferred by the the builder and go through the full pre-approval process because there is about a five to six month timeline for these houses to be ready, and the builder certainly wants to accept purchase agreements and offers on these homes. But once they're in contract, it's it's longer than your normal escrow because the house needs to be built. Sure. So what's nice is we at Central Coast Lending have various products that can help the homeowners purchase the home, afford the home, and give them the assurance of the down payment, monthly payment, all that, all those details, so they can turn right back to the builder and say, "Okay, we're ready to buy lot A or you know lot four, five, or six. And, and that's one of the things that I, I really enjoy about this process is most people in San Luis Obispo County are looking for a home that, you know, they want to make their own, but it's difficult because when it pops up on the market, there's four or five other people that want that same house. This is an opportunity to buy a brand new home. It's yours. And the builder works with you for customizations once we finish a pre-approval. Hmm. So uh, some of the facts that, that I hit on, the details are, excuse me, some of the, the details you want to know about this property if you want to go see it this weekend is it's a grand opening this weekend. The, the name of the development is Bella Sarah. It's one word, B-E-L-L-A-S-E-R-R-A in Arroyo Grande. You can... Um, I'm gonna. I sent you guys a link. You can announce it again on the show yeah, I'll or give it the out. website. I'll give it out here. You can find more information about this community if you go to coastalcommunitybuilders.com. 
you'll click on their communities link and then look for the Bellacera community, and it'll show you um, the site plan of the 11 different lots as well, and it looks like the the picture I'm assuming is the hillside on which they're built, or maybe it's a view from the hillside on which they're built. Um, Correct. And it, it also gives you um, renderings of the three different floor plans um, as well as street views. So it's it's really a a good um, website giving you all the information. It tells you about some different options you might want to consider for the homes, and um, they're they're really beautiful homes. Uh, and and I. Whether this is the view of or the view from the site, it's it's a very picturesque, you know, rolling hills um, view. It's it's really nice, and like you said, just minutes from the village of Arroyo Grande. Yeah, you take Wasna Road out towards heading east, and you'd run right into it. The developer built a street called St. Francis Road, so that would be the road you live on if you purchase one of these homes. Okay. And everyone's now salivating, saying, okay, that's great, but what do these things cost, right? Sure. And they're starting in the low to high sevens, and the full two-story floor plan is just above 800000 So I'll leave that with you guys. You can talk about <clears throat> the different loan products and challenges at that price point. Sure. And and I wanted to just make sure the listeners and, and us had it on the show today for Bella Sarah in Arroyo Grande. Appreciate you uh, making us aware of this community. It's a beautiful community. Mike, do you know when um, the homes are scheduled to be completed or when construction's starting? Do you have any idea of those time frames? Yes, there's a, there, there are two models. Uh, I'll have to check my facts. I, there might be more than two. There's, there's two models right now. One is already listed, and it's a, it's a full two-story model. Okay. So um, this is going on right one, now. <laughs> Yeah, they're accepting they're accepting offers on that unit, you know, as you know, this day, today. So, excellent. Uh, the rest of them, I believe, are going to start um, construction in the next thirty to forty-five days. They're not going to do them all at once. There are phases, and that's a great that's a great topic to bring up with Linda, the real estate agent, who is at the site and can be contacted through that website that we just gave out to the listeners. Okay. So Linda is uh, she's worked with coastal community builders before, and she understands exactly how the process works. Typically, from the time you make an offer on a lot to the time it's completed is anywhere from four to seven months. But it just depends. You know, they're not going to again. They're not going to release all lots at one time. Sure. And you were referencing, you know, some of the the features as far as the loan goes. We do offer extended rate lock options. So when you're in an environment, which I would say we're we're probably in right now, where rates are a bit uncertain right now, they've gone down a little bit, which is nice. We're enjoying that, but um, it seems like we're on a path for higher interest rates. So if that's something that's concerning to you, we offer extended lock periods that will cover you for. You know, anywhere from 90 to 200 plus days, so you can get some rate protection um, while the home is being built. And and so there's there's a lot of stuff that we could discuss on the loan side um, if this is something you want to get serious about. But again, I'll invite you to go check the community out online. Um, it's coastalcommunitybuilders.com. Click on communities and check out the Bella Sara community in Arroyo Grande. And uh, like Mike was saying, Linda is going to be out there today at the grand opening from 11 to 4 o'clock. That's correct. That's correct. 
All right, right, guys. Great show. Thanks for having me on. All right. Thank you. How about a 10% down no MI jumbo? Yeah. That's one of the products. I mean, I imagine that that's definitely what I think is a move up home. You know, even though it's new construction, somebody's probably selling a house. I doubt it's going to be pri- primarily first time home buyers buying in there. Yeah, probably not. So if but... you have the down payment, you're stoked. I mean, maximum conforming loan amount right now for us on the expanded high balance program, you could borrow 586.5. Um, $586,000 on basically a conforming loan. It's going to be the lowest and uh, best terms you're going to get on any loan like that. Um, but if you don't have that, you know, you don't have That's 200- 20% down. Yeah, you're going to need $200,000 down to make that work. And that, depending on options or whatever. But, um, you know, so there's some pretty sweet products right now. The jumbo market's healthy. Um, we've got products where you can do no mortgage insurance, 10% down jumbo financing on that. I know you're waving 5% at me. I, <laughs> I don't see the 5% ones happen practically very often. Right. The interest rates get pretty hairy pretty quick because it's so heavy leveraged, but I know it's out I'm just there. saying it's, it exists. It exists. 10% <laughs> down is probably where you actually land when you when go in and look for this. But another thing that we're seeing, though, is you know sometimes people can do like what we call an 80-10-10. That's coming back to the market now, too. Um, a lot of the investors that we're working with, we can do a, an 80% first and a 10% second that close concurrently. So now that's a way that you could get a loan without mortgage insurance and still only have 10% down. Um, these are probably a little beyond the reach of that if you do end up having to get them and you know with your with your add-ons and all that kind of thing these houses are probably you know north of 800,000 so that might be just out of grasp but again just food for thought one way to to get the best terms you can without having to have mortgage insurance All right. Well, we are getting ready to take our top of the hour break here. Um, Next hour, when we come back, we're going to be joined by another guest, this time live in the studio, so we won't have that call-in issue. Um, We're going to be joined by Macy Umbertis. She's a realtor with Maryland Associates, and she's not just a realtor. She's one of the top 30 under 30 in the nation, recognized by the National Association of Realtors quite um, an impressive accolade that she earned and so we'll be joined by her next hour stick around for more mortgage matters welcome back you're listening to mortgage matters with host dan and jason from central coast lending if you want to join the conversation call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832 now here's dan and jason All right, everybody, welcome back. Made it through the top of the hour break. We got, oh, 55 minutes to go. We have a guest in the studio now for this hour. Should liven it up quite a bit. I think that first hour was pretty boring. Even I was getting sleepy. It was very informational. Yeah, I was going to say, informational is not boring. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Come on. All right, well, we got Macy in here. Macy, thanks for coming in on... A Saturday. Yeah. Of my Easter pleasure. weekend, too. Did we all realize that we were working on Easter weekend? I guess. Dedication. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. Any big plans? Easter egg. You're, look, you're looking at it. I mean, I'm a you're mortgage probably, matters this morning. That's yeah, pretty big. That's a big deal. <laughs> kind you, of a big deal. 
you probably are going to go like show houses and stuff after this anyway, right? Most likely, yeah. That's pretty much my weekend life. The I routine. Tr- I try to leave here and not work on the weekend, but you know, yeah. when somebody needs a pre-approval letter or something, you got to have the laptop at the ready. But it's right. easy now. I've done them from weird places. Just turn the hotspot on on the phone, pull it up, get her done. Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. We were talking this week when we when we met for lunch about the demanding lifestyle of a realtor and a and a mortgage professional. You need to be available at night. On All the weekends, time. holidays, it doesn't matter. Exactly. When other people have free time, that's when you usually need to be available. Yep. Well, and in this world, too, I mean, we know that real estate agents, they generally give three names. And so if you aren't available, guess what? There's somebody else on that list that <laughs> right. probably is. Right, absolutely. And that's why you have to be available pretty much 24-7, because if you don't answer the phone, they're going to go down the list, because pretty much every person knows five realtors. Yeah. <laughs> so right? you got to be the, you got to be at the top and on top of your game or else you're going to get missed. So. Yep. When it's time to pick up, you better be there. Yep. Absolutely. I wanted to give out your website so that people can get a little more information about you. Oh, um, sure. If you want to go to the web, you can check out macycells.com. It's m a c i cells like sells your property .com. Um, or you can give her a call at 610-3595. Um so we were talking before we got on the air here. You're very young. Obviously, you won the, uh, or you got <laughs> nominated for the, um, not nominated, you were awarded one of the top 30 under 30 in the nation, which is a very impressive um, award, I guess, from the National Association of Realtors. Yeah, very. it's very cool. I'm super honored. Um, it was actually in the Tribune, I think, two weekends ago and I didn't even know that it was there that Saturday until I got like some text messages and emails (laughs) and then I read the article I'm like oh my gosh that's so cool so how does that process work did you does the National Association just nominate you or does your broker nominate you Um, basically how it works is every year uh, the National Association of Realtors um, they do a 30 under 30 a class of 30 under 30 and they start the nominations the year before So basically, I believe they open it up in October of 2016, um, and you actually can go online and fill out an application. Um, So it starts with that. It starts with filling out an application, and then they go through all the applications. And I think there's, you know, 500 plus apps um, every year, and then they go through and kind of vet them, and they do it based upon all different things like service to your community, what you've been involved in, your production, um, and then the qualification is you have to be under 30 years old um, in May of 2017. So um, I got the call, gosh, I believe it was in January where they said, hey, you've made it to the top 100 finalists that were, you know, vetting and going through for this process. And, you know, we're going to have some questions for you. We need a record of all of your sales to back up what you've told us on your application. So um, I got that all put together through our local MLS and my broker. And then from there, they said, well, we're going to be doing an interview process to um, our top 50. So I got a call, did the interview with them. And then they said, by this date, you'll know if you made it to the top 50. So then I got the email. Yes, I made it to the 50. And then they said from there, they pick 30, you know, to move on and be the 30 under 30. So, wow, yeah, it was pretty cool. And this just happened um, last month. So this was in March and it's going to be coming out in their 
May, June edition of Realtor Magazine, which is a national publication. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I don't think anyone from our area has ever been in the magazine for this. So that's kind of a neat, you know, accomplishment, you know, recognizing our small Central Coast. Yeah, it's really um, cool. Yeah. So I think I think the only the closest to us was somebody in Santa Maria got it years ago. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's pretty neat because it is nationwide and, you know, there's a lot of big cities you compete with. And I think um, I was in about the top 10% for production of even the top 30. Oh, wow. So that's pretty neat. Yeah. it's I, I was impressed when I saw it in the newspaper. That was where I first saw it as well. Uh-huh. And um, excuse me, I'd like to ask a question now. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> um, everybody does real estate. They're everywhere. There's real, like my my brother's girlfriend's a realtor, and she works at Subway during the day, so I know she's right. she's bomb at being an agent too. But well, anyway, we told there's some like two million there's a licenses lot. out there. Right. It's anyway, insane. I I want you to tell us a little bit about why you think that being a full time busy high volume realtor with some pretty big recognition would actually be better than somebody just using their sisters, brothers, cousins, best friends, uncle? Well, I'm glad you asked that because that's a very good question. And it's something that uh, people really need to think about when they're selecting their agent. Um, We're now in a market that's very, very fast paced, as you guys are aware. I mean, the inventory is really low. Things don't stay on the market. If they're priced correctly, they're going to move. So we're in situations where there's multiple offers. So what that means is when a listing hits the market, you got to be ready to go. You got to go that day. You got to look at the house. And if you're going to make an offer, you got to make an offer. If you're using someone that's doing this part time and their availability is, you know, three hours. I'll a show day, you when I get off the outage, which right, will be on Saturday right. at four. Then you're missing the mark and you're missing that property. So um, it's hugely important that you're working with someone who's full-time and is dedicated to what they're doing because if you don't have someone working hard for you and around the clock you're going to miss that property and you're not going to get into something or if they don't know the market because they're only doing it part-time and they don't know you know how fast things go then they're not going to be in the position to help guide you and tell you all right this is what you're going to need to do to make your offer competitive this is what we suggest you know obviously the offer amount is going to be up to the buyer, but that's what you look to a realtor for, is for guidance as to, well, what is going to be, give me the best shot at getting this house. Sure. So, absolutely, it's, uh, you know, going to be hard. (laughs) We could do a whole two hours on just this topic. I mean, because when you're, you know, if you're listing... Even in this environment where you'd think, well, if you put it in the MLS and throw a sign in the yard, you're just going to have a magical 40 offers on Tuesday. And the reality is, even then, as as somebody potentially listing a home, Mm -hmm. bringing in a listing agent with brand recognition and name recognition and a a network of buyers and sellers that you know and all Mm -hmm. that, I mean, there's a a tremendous value to that, that. Oh, absolutely. I mean... For me, I do a lot of um, marketing on Facebook, and you actually can find my um, business page online. It's Macy, M-A-C-I, Umbertus Realtor, and that's on Facebook. And I do a lot of um, website marketing there as well and put on uh, some of my listings before they go live on the MLS. And it's a good way to find things that are going to come on before they hit the MLS and everybody else sees it. So that's kind of an advantage to both my sellers and buyers is they can see things before they go live on the MLS. 
Um, I actually have a few things upcoming right now, listing-wise. Um, I know that a lot of people are looking for. Um, I have some uh, property in Paso Robles um, on an acre. It's about 1,500 square feet, uh, three-bedroom, two-bath, built in the early 2000s, and it's going to be priced right around the 450 mark, and that's going to be coming up next week sometime. I know a lot of people are looking for that. Um, I also have a beautiful listing west side of Tascadero. Um, we just dropped the price fifty thousand dollars to eight ninety nine. It's got just the most remarkable, incredible views you've ever seen. Um, and is it's, that the San Marcos Road? Yes. I just landed on your Facebook page, and I'm seeing a, a feed of you showing around the grounds and yes. built-in fire pit and barbecue and views for like. Days. <laughs> Can you see the ocean from there? You can't see the ocean, but it That's has this amazing coastal influence. So the climate up there is awesome. Um, it's four bedrooms. It has a little guest quarters with its own laundry. Um, it's on just under two acres. And like I said, we just re- reduced the price. It's now eight ninety nine, and it's an awesome listing. So if anyone is interested in that, you can find that on um, both my Facebook page and my website. Um, I also have an awesome ranch coming up in Creston that's on 60 acres. It's a horse facility with an arena and a mare motel, a 12-stall barn, um, a 3,000-square-foot house. It's all gated, and that'll be coming on probably next month sometime. So I have some really good stuff coming up. So mm. if anybody listening in is looking for any of these, um, please contact me. How? Well, you can, uh, so many ways, so many ways. <laughs> Send a smoke signal. Smoke signal, I mean, right. You name it, I'll, I'll find you. Morse um, code. You can call my cell phone at 805-610-3595. Visit my web- website that I think Dan mentioned earlier, which is Macy, M-A-C-I, cells, S-E-L-L-S, dot com. And then also on my Facebook page, which is Macy Umbertus Realtor. Uh, you can contact me in all those ways. Also email macysells at gmail.com. Um, you can always text me or call. Uh, pretty much have my phone glued to my hand. So <laughs> if anyone tries, they're sure to get me. <laughs> Perfect. Very cool. Yeah, there's lots of good stuff. I'm checking out your Facebook page right now. Yeah. So one thing that's really cool is um, whenever I represent a buyer, I always do like this sold sign picture with them in front mm-hmm. of the house with their you know, family or whoever were the purchasers. And it's kind of fun because people look forward to that day, the day they get their keys and they get to hold the sold oh, sign. Yeah. So it's definitely... Um, become something unique it, as far as my branding goes. Um, I'm always a little bit jealous you guys get to do that. I know. It's kind of the fun part as of our the, job. As the lender, we're like, you know, doing a lot of the heavy lifting behind the scenes and right. trying to meet the deadlines and get it all there. And, you know, in any situation, it's it's awesome when a purchase comes together, low stress and funds on time. But you get to hand over the keys. I know. And, that's really nice. If anything, sometimes people are like, oh, and the lender did a good job. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, and we did have the this money to person, make this purchase. Yeah, <laughs> this person just got us in the front door, so that's way cooler. <laughs> uh, hey, I wanted to ask you real quick, though, when you, you mentioned that um, listing in the mid-400s that you're going to put on in Paso. Yes. Is the with all the rains and everything? Are we past the well issue of Paso? And I don't know if that house is even on a well. But it is on a well. It is. Mm-hmm, it so is. is that anything to be concerned about anymore? Um, 
I think that one of the main things that buyers, and this is what I advise my clients, um, that they need to be aware of is the depth of the well. Because the depth of the well and where the water level is currently sitting are the two kind of telltale signs as to if you're going to have a problem in the imminent future or not. So let's say um, you, you're looking at this house. First thing I would do is ask for the listing agent for the well completion report. The well completion report basically shows what they drilled the well down to, so where it's cased and capped. So let's say um, the well is drilled down to 600 feet. Well, when it comes time for you to get your pump test and water sample, um, when they test the well, they're going to tell you where the water level is sitting at. So they're going to say your standing water level is at X feet. So for instance, if they say that it's at 275 feet and your well 600 feet deep, well, you got quite a bit of room to drop that pump down if you needed to. Um, let's let's flip-flop the situation and say it's at 400 feet, the, uh, the well is drilled to 400 feet, and you're sitting at 380 feet is where your pump is. Mm. Well, you only have about 20 feet to You're going to need to turn the so... water off in between washing <laughs> during your shower. <laughs> well, and you know, depending on the situation with the drought, I mean, that could last you for a while. Or if we if we you know don't get any more rain, then you could be in a situation where you're going to have to redrill a new well. So which, is there a lot of people lifting pumps right now, given all the rains? Um, not recently that I've that I've experienced. I haven't experienced anyone having to drop their pump down deeper because they're you know sucking sand or air. Um, I haven't experienced that lately. So I think that definitely the the groundwater basin is starting to recharge a bit. Hmm. But I mean, we're not out of the woods yet because right. I think that takes longer. Sure. Than to charge up than just getting some rain. <laughs> we got a lot of rain. I mean, my yeah. house was like underwater. <laughs> Literally like swamp yard everywhere for a long time. Did, the water just doesn't soak into the clay. It sits everywhere. And right. That's probably why the, the water table is having trouble recharging. Right. We should drill it some holes to like <laughs> get through the clay. the clay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, totally. Hey, it's uh, time to do a commercial break here, guys. we got a couple minutes to uh, thank the sponsors, and then we'll be back with more Mortgage Matters. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's Easter weekend. See, you should be, you're not even bringing us back with music. <laughs> Usually, what happens right there is that thing fades out, and then Jim like pushes on, and he, because it's Easter, then he'll have like three obscure songs that say something about a bunny or an egg. <laughs> I, I didn't get any information on uh, what I was supposed to do. You're doing and, a great job. And, and there's music there, so I figured, okay, that's nah, going to be the bumper. It's yeah. fine, too. But then I figured you guys got so much to talk about, I, I can't afford to put anything in right now. Because I can tell you guys are hot in the, in that mortgage right. market. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, when we first started the show, it was a half an hour, like eight years ago. And, and you could just say, hey, you should buy a house. Thanks. We'll yeah, be back we, next week. So, well, we were terrified. It actually felt like forever, forever time. Yeah, it was yeah. quite intimidating, but we're used to it now. And then we could never <laughs> get a guest on or develop any more than one topic. So we moved it to an hour, <clears throat> which was great. And then... Um, you realize that we had like 15 minutes of commercial, a guest, a commercial, and 15 minutes, and then we realized that you can't do anything with that. So no, it's such a big topic. I mean, now it, two it, hours. It's not just one little thing. It's all. It's all of financial 
housing, everything that it incorporates. Yeah, there's a lot. It's a lot. A lot to talk about. Um, all right. I, I started yeah. during the break onto some <laughs> questions. I just have got to know. Um, I giggled a little bit at the beginning, Dan. You said, you're very young. And I thought, you sound old. Um, <laughs> how old are you? Dan's 39. I'm still young. That's yeah, young. Yeah, I'm only 39. Yeah. No, yeah. yeah I'm only 38 for like another couple weeks. <laughs> right, yeah. You keep enjoying that for, what is it? Two more weeks? Yeah. Um, you're 29. You offered that. I'm 29. So I wouldn't no say shame. that you're very young. I mean, <laughs> 20 is like the new 50 from what I hear. Yeah. Um, but really, though, I mean, the, the the milestones that you've managed to achieve here in a, um, you know, a pretty short and powerful career so far. It's impressive <laughs> to me because oftentimes, I mean, we, you're a millennial, right? Is she a millennial? Yeah. You're yeah. a millennial, aren't you? Yeah. Um, I think so. I thought millennials were like living in their grandma's basement and... <laughs> well, some are. <laughs> and refusing to, you know, go out and create a reality for themselves. So good for you. You've, well, thank you. You got your real estate license when you are 18. Yeah. Um, so I want to back up to that real quick. How do you know at 18 that that's what you want to do? Somebody in your life tugged you in this direction? Well, actually, I think I knew at about 12, Oh wow! to be honest with you. Uh, my parents bought and sold a lot of property when I was little, and my favorite thing to do was to go look at houses with my mom. Nice. So, I mean, we had a few few different properties, and it seemed like we moved a lot. It was, all, it was always around here in Slow County. I mean, I've never lived out of this area, so I'm a local. Um, but we did move around quite a bit. So... It was just my favorite thing to do. I love to go look at houses with my mom and um, our realtor at the time. I would do her mailers for her, for her farming. Wow. I'd sit at her desk and want to help in any way that I could. So um, I did really well in school. I mean, I had straight A's. I probably could have gone to college, um, but I just knew what I wanted to do. So wow. I, when I, you were a kid, did you sell like Barbie dream houses to the other kids? Sure. <laughs> I, Look, I, this dream I house is a real fixer upper. Yeah, I sold anything and everything I could when I was little. I mean, I would make magazine subscriptions, scrunchies. I would I would wait on my great grandpa and make him give me a tip. <laughs> like, Look, you can put your Barbie yeah. dream car. It's a two car Barbie dream <laughs> right. car garage. It's an excellent opportunity. It's great real estate in your living room to put it in. You know, you're going to really want this. Don't don't miss out. Yeah. My, my family always gets a kick out of that, too. I was born an entrepreneur. I mean, I, I remember yeah. being young. The first business I had is I'd, we got the neighborhood kids together to hook up all the red wagons. A recycling center that bought recycling opened up down the road. So I was like, all right, guys, it's time to circle up. So we had like a four-wagon train wagon that went around and collected cans and bottles to recycle. Mm -hmm. And that was how we got money to like have lunch and go to the arcade. And we were in like third grade. See, I love it. Yeah. That's then I, awesome. One of the biggest ones we had was when I was like, I think I was in about fifth grade. We were out in Topanga Canyon on a hike. And my dad said, oh, that's mistletoe right there. And so I'm like that's mistletoe could you get that down for me <laughs> so he cut off a huge bushel of mistletoe and my brother and i sold mistletoe door to door around you know canoga park woodland hills we made like a thousand bucks selling that's mistletoe awesome. yeah it was it was pretty cool um so i just i was always up for figuring out how to make some money yeah. and i think they laugh now i have three brothers 
No sisters. So I have three brothers. All three of them are fire paramedics. And then there's the self-employed sales guy over here, <laughs> dragging the curve down a little yeah. bit. But. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. How hard is it to be a real estate agent when you're 18? Do oh, people take you serious? Definitely. It's, it's really difficult. So I'll back up a little bit. So I got my license when I was 18, like we just talked about. Um, at that time, my parents had a deli in a Tascadero called Frankie's Deli. So I had just graduated high school, and I had actually worked there during high school as well. But I was working um, at our deli, and I basically kind of ran the business there. Um, I did everything money-related and books-related, you know, wrote all the checks, paid all the bills. Um, See, that's like college in and of itself. Yeah, exactly. you got a business education at a young age. Exactly. So um, I was working there and had just gotten my license, and I went to work for Century 21 because I heard the the program there was good for training new agents. Mm -hmm. And I remember on my first day, I was in tears to my mom, like, who is ever going to buy a house from me, Mom? (laughs) I'm like, I, because I look young anyways, just my appearance, like most people think I'm much younger than I am. So I would get people that come in the deli, they're like, oh, are you out of school today, little girl? And you know, <laughs> I had graduated high school and I'm like, oh uh, no, I'm 18. So anyways, I've always kind of had that. I've Thank always, you. Yeah, Thank I've, you for I've, that. I've always kind of had that stigma anyways, because sure. people think I'm younger than I am. So I remember just crying to her and saying, Mom, I don't know how, why why or how anyone was ever going to buy a house from me, because they already think I'm so young as it is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't have the experience yet. And she told me, honey, anybody b- would be lucky to buy a house from you. And so... It's definitely not an easy business to break into, especially being young. I mean, because people don't trust you yet. You know what I mean? Because you don't have the experience behind you. When Dan and I started this company, I mean, we were, it was years ago, but we still felt young. And oftentimes, I mean, especially where, when you're getting into finances with somebody and trying Mm -hmm. to get financial advice where someone might look up at you and be like, what do you know when you're like in your twenties, do you know anything about finances? And and we did, right. but it's hard. I mean, in, in fact, only lately, I'm beginning to enjoy a little bit of, like, my gray hair when people come <laughs> right. in, and it's like, I don't have to start, like, I don't have to bring out the full song and dance for you, because at least now you can tell I probably have some life experience under my right. belt. That's tough. It's it, hard to it get. It definitely was. Um, and then my very first deal was actually a commercial piece of land. So one oh, commercial. Oh, nice, easy one. Yeah. So commercial is obviously a little more difficult. <laughs> Vacant land, also a little more difficult. Yeah. So you combine the two, and I definitely got some great experience. Yeah. <laughs> and it actually was a deli customer that I was my first, wow. was my first deal. Um, so I worked at the deli basically for about five years. Um, my parents then split up and got a divorce, and they had to close the shop. So then I was at a point where I was doing real estate part-time in the deli, and then it was closed. So my mom needed a job, and I decided, you know what, I'll open my own deli. So I opened up Macy's Deli across the street from our old location. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And um, I had that for two years, and it was awesome. Met tons of great people working there and owning that that business, and... It was it was seven days a week. I mean, restaurant business right. is it's a tough gig. I mean, between that and real estate, I, I had no life. Right, kind of like now, but <laughs> worse. <laughs> and um, so I decided, you know, I need to decide which one I want to do and, and stick to it. So 
I decided to sell the sandwich shop and just do real estate full-time. So in 2013, January of 2013, is the uh, start of doing just real estate full-time, and it's the best Wait decision I've ever made. Wait a minute. I'm on this website right here that says something about you being like... Top buyer agent, highest dollar volume, volume number of sales in 2013. Yes. So you like hit it on the first year. <laughs> like I said, best decision I've ever made. Should have and done it And then the same for 2014. That's where the website stops. I suspect it hasn't been updated in a couple years because it sounds like you were probably doing yeah. pretty good in 15 and 16 too. Right. So <laughs> definitely progressively it's gone upward from You guys there. should fix the website because this looks like you peaked. I'm just saying. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You I'm should add on. 15 I'm... and 16. We want to know that, I mean, I want to work with the agent that's currently still <laughs> kicking tail, not the okay, one that okay. peaked Let... in 2014. All right, all right. 2016, I did 63 transactions and over 23 million in sales. Which Put it is, on the website. Which is pretty much <laughs> double what, what's on there when I when I did that in 2013, yeah. 2014. So, um, like I said, it's been it's been amazing. I've met so many awesome people, and I just love what I do. I love helping people. I love looking out for their best interest. I mean, it's truly my passion. Um, people always joke that I eat, sleep, and breathe real estate um, because they can always get a hold of me. They're like, do you ever it. sleep? I get, <laughs> I get that all the time from clients. Do you when, ever sleep? <laughs> when we hang out, and a lot of my peer group now is people that have like come to work for us in the loan business and things too. And so, but so it seems like everybody in my life is in loans and real estate. And mm-hmm. so even when we're not at work, we're talking it, you know. Exactly. And my wife, I she's Hence why we're here this morning. Totally <laughs> on a Saturday, yeah. And my wife's not that into it, so I think she must just be pretty good at tuning it out because it's everywhere. Every time I turn around, and yeah, but that's the kind of thing when you really love what you do and it's fun. Um, I really love the loan business, real estate too, because no two transactions are ever the same. Never. Ever. I mean, the people. The personalities, the challenges, the solutions, whatever it is, I mean, literally like a snowflake. And I, even yeah. when I was underwriting loans long before I was an originator, even on underwriting, it was never the same. You'd mm-hmm. always pull something out. Oh, okay, look, another Cal Poly person. And then the next page is like, oh, and then there's the wrinkle or whatever. And then right there, it just starts going down a whole nother path. And it's fun to be able to, to solve those problems and, right. and help people. You have to totally be a forward thinker for this business or, or to do well in this business because Every single day you wake up in a new scenario and you have to figure out, okay, what's my A, B, and C plan for when this doesn't work out? Because that happens a lot. The other thing I've learned through my tenure in this business, too, is that the things I recognize early, like about a loan or a transaction, and I'm like, ooh, that could be a problem. Mm -hmm. So you do what you can to try to avoid it in the first place, but (laughs) obsess about the problem and then it doesn't ever come to fruition. And then the one that does happen is like blindsiding or you thought about it and you're like, that's not even a problem. And next thing you know, that's the thing everybody's blown out about. Oh yeah, for sure. (laughs) Super weird.
Well, and that's that's kind of another reason why you don't use the person that works part-time at Subway totally. because <laughs> they they don't deal with these problems on a daily basis. Therefore, the the solving skills kind of aren't, you know, aren't quite there. Totally. And um when you when you're in the trenches every day, so to speak, I mean, you see a little of every everything, you know right. what I mean? So you know how to handle different situations. And I can't tell you how many times I've had just like the craziest things ever happen, but we get through them. Yeah. Because, you know, you just, you, you're a forward thinker and you just, you decide, well, we're not going to just let it go. We're not going to just roll over on this one. We're going to fight till the end and hopefully it, it all works out. Yeah. So my um one of my really good friends my best friend in fact is up visiting me this weekend and so we were talking last night he's a real estate agent uh-huh. as luck would have it down in big bear actually okay um and he was saying that they have such an inventory problem right now that just a short few years ago they had like 1400 listings at a time in their big bear mls mm-hmm. and right now they're at about 350. So they're really low on inventory. Things that are coming to market are getting multiple offers and above asking price um, sold prices. And it's just, it's really hot. He said it's it's unusual. It's not been that way since he's been there. Right. So that's not too different than what's going on around here. It's yeah. pretty hot. Especially San Luis. Yeah, totally. San Luis is like really bad when it comes to Yeah. <laughs> as soon as a new listing comes on, it's just like the, the energy magnet for everybody yes. that sees it and wants yes. it. Yeah. So one of the things we were talking about, though, is that he's doing when he does like, you know, price opinions for listing prices or whatever for the agents on his team and things like this. He said he's using more now of active listings to Mm -hmm. influence price as opposed to solds because the actives are telling a better story of what's likely to happen. Um, And so what I shared with him was... um, a couple of times recently, I mean, we had a call yesterday in the office from an appraiser that just said, hey, heads up, this appraisal is not coming in at value. It's the comps all say X and you guys are in contract for Y, which is 6% more, and there's no way to get there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like, well, hey, thanks for the call. He actually called to say, do you want to ask the agents to, like, forward some comps? What are they thinking? Mm-hmm. And the idea basically came back and said, there kind of isn't comps like you're right Right. and we get it and just gonna have to do the best that you can and we'll we'll sort it out and um so we don't know what it's coming in for yet but we'll have no choice but to try to figure out how to overcome it Mm -hmm. i had a deal just two weeks ago that closed in paso robles where um this place was listed for 380 went in contract for 402 Mm -hmm. and then appraised for like 390 and 390 was a little bit of a push because it was just the comps were at the top end. Right. Um, the seller, at times, sometimes you can negotiate, right? Well, right. you know, the appraisal didn't support it, whatever, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Maybe reduce the price, meet in the middle, do something creative. The seller just basically said, no, nah, there's seven other people that want this house. So mm-hmm. you either have the 20 grand and you're yeah. ready to pay it or you're not. So what do you want to do? Right. And they paid it. Mm-hmm. So it's it feels right now that things are, it's pretty hot. Yeah. We're getting into situations where there's so many offers that, you know, there's a point where sometimes the seller's count, countering and saying, okay, well, 
yeah, we'll accept your offer, but there is an, an appraisal contingency. You know, be prepared that if it doesn't appraise, you're going to have to pay that and negotiating that right. ahead of time. So there's not, you know, that surprise in that position where they want you to drop the price. Um, just recently, last month, um, I closed a property here in San Luis Obispo and there was 15 offers on it. Wow. 15. And did it sell for list price or more? $66,000 over list is what it ended up at. Wow. Did that buyer get a loan or was it a cash buyer? Cash. See? Jeez. Yeah. Cash is king. Cash you don't want to hear king. that out of a lender, I but know. dang, tell that guy to come back and get a cash out refi, though. <laughs> we can do this delayed financing thing where we can give him back a large share of his money really cheap, and then he could use that to make another great investment. Yeah. I mean, San Luis is really going crazy. Um, I, I do real estate pretty much the whole slow county um but i do live in north county and i think things there um are just as busy but a little bit slower pace um than down here i mean the demand is so huge i haven't seen 15 offers there but i'm certainly seeing it down this way yeah um up in north county you know a lot of times two or three um offers but not 15. what do you think is why is that? Why why is the activity so furious and fast down and slow and not well, that way elsewhere? You know, is it the it, investor looking for the rental property? Here. Right. It's, you know, there's people that are looking for housing for their son or daughter that are going to Cal Poly and we're getting into the time where they're prepping sure. for, for next, yeah, next yeah. year. Um, there's a heavy investor presence also looking for a flip. Um, and it's just, this area is just in high demand anyways. Yeah. You know? Well, it always has been. It's uh, San yeah. Luis proper. I mean. Well, but you were telling me that even Paso Robles with, you know, it's wine country. It's mm-hmm. a beautiful place. There's great food. There's, yeah. you know, things to do in Paso that even the Airbnb market or the rental market up there is doing really well. Right. Um, I have actually a vacation rental myself that I bought last year and it's, it's crazy because you can't even find anything downtown right now for people that are looking for that vacation rental um, or a second home. You can't find anything. It's just the inventory is so low right now that people, when they list things, they're setting their price and sometimes they're getting it. Yeah. Um, and again, you know, you get into the situation where you do have that appraisal issue because the values haven't quite caught up to that number yet, but the demand is there. Right. So. Well, and then once it closes, we get we get a comp for the next report that shows <laughs> exactly. what the market's doing. And and really, appraisers do what we call like a paired analysis, where they'll go and say, you know, if all the listings were listed at 380 and ended up selling for 390, mm-hmm. so now you can put a little more emphasis on the active market and suggest that you know you need to put a little bit of a analysis to it to suggest that it should sell for more than maybe even what it's listed for. Which is right. and crazy. Then you, and then you just have your, if you're the listing agent, you have that conversation with your seller up front. Okay, this is what we think it could sell for. However, just be prepared. There may become a time where it doesn't appraise and right. we're going to c- come back to this and may have to renegotiate. They may ask for a sure. price reduction. Doesn't mean you have to say yes to it, but just be forthcoming that, mm-hmm. you know, this is where we're at. And um, yeah, we're just, our low inventory is really driving the prices. Um, You know, I'm always looking for sellers that want to list their property because I have so many buyers looking for things and there's just nothing to sell them, which is, which is definitely, you know, an issue. When you were saying a minute ago about 
San Luis having a place with 15 offers. I was talking to a listing agent the other day who said he got three pre-approval letters from Central Coast Lending loan officers <laughs> on the same property. <laughs> I knew that two of them were mine. Uh-huh. Um, I was, you know, of course, I, I can't share with a buyer what their, yeah, you know, what, the, what their competition right. is up to. So, like, I need a pre-approval letter for this house at this amount. And then, you know, five minutes later, somebody else is like, I need a pre-approval letter for this house at this amount. And I'm, okay, fair enough. Here's your letter, you know. Right. And so There's always that awkward situation when that happens where <laughs> yeah. you're like, ah, this is such an awkward spot to You're be not going to get it for that. <laughs> in the back of your head. <laughs> right. But yeah, it's just kind of crazy that there's a lot of people out there looking at the same houses. Right. Trying to figure out how I to know. be the lucky one to win it. Exactly. You said earlier it's a time game right now. You need to be ready on, on the spot and, yes. you know, go time if you love it. Um, man, that's so true. I know they're used to And you got to get lucky. Right, you got to exactly. be qualified, have a good team, uh-huh. have all your ducks in a row, and maybe get a little lucky. Right. And th- it's so different from the market where, you know, buyers went home and they wanted to sleep on it. Sure. Or, mm-hmm. You know, come back next week and have a second look. I mean, we're just not in You don't have stage. time to sleep on your half a million no. dollar decision right now. Right. You need to just go. Right. <laughs> just take the drive home and give me a call. Right. <laughs> All right, guys, it's time to do a commercial break. It's the last one of the hour, so stick around after the short break for more Mortgage Matters. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to centralcoastlending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your host, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. All right. And we're back. And we're back. We just got <laughs> we just got through um, almost two hours of this. Can you believe it? Another two hours of just invigorating real estate and finance <laughs> talk. Unbelievable. I do I do agree with what you were saying earlier about how it can be tedious, a little boring if you're just getting into the numbers, like you were saying sure. in the first hour. And my wife is the same way. She doesn't care. She just says. I want it to look like Liberace's house. Like when she, <laughs> and I show her, I'm like, seriously? And I'll pull up pictures, just the gaudiest, worst, just nightmare. She's like, oh, that's perfect. The more gold and marble and uh, chandeliers and candelabras, the better. That's She doesn't care about the financing or anything like that. Yeah. Oh, and naturally. Yeah. Somebody else can worry about that for her. That little payment thing. Yeah. I just sold, <laughs> I sold my house over the winter and bought a new house. And... Um, really good experience to do that again when you work in this industry i don't think you quite get out of touch with what it feels like to be in that stressful situation again and right and as the i mean we got to do i did my loan through my company so i had mm-hmm. pretty good confidence that everything was fine but man still so stressful as a buyer you're just kind of tripping on everything yeah and then you know the using the agents as the buffer to the seller and all these things and just it man it's just a good reminder of me about how how challenging it is as a buyer to go through that and as a seller right right and, and most people don't realize that i mean being a realtor it's not an easy job it's, no, not, it's not something that you just jump into and you know you just kick butt and it's totally. easy money like so many people think that like that's the facade yeah and it's just that's so not the reality of it i mean i work six in the morning till 11 o'clock at night sometimes and it is like i said being in the trenches i mean you're constantly you know 
dealing with the lender, the escrow officer, the septic company, the well totally. company, the home inspector, the buyer, the buyer's agent. You know, there's just so many people that are involved. So having a good team is just so important. I can't stress that enough to people that are buying a property or selling a property. Make sure you do your due diligence. Make sure you do your homework and use that to pick a lender and pick a realtor because if you have those two key players on your side, it's going to make, make your process difference. so much better, yeah. more enjoyable. I mean, no matter what, it's going to be somewhat stressful because you're it making is. a huge purchase or you're liquidating you know, a huge amount of money. <laughs> so no matter what, there is going to be some stress to it. Yeah. And in my case, too, the interesting thing was, is I mean, first of all, there's some psychological thing you go through when you're moving your family. You know, this is like the shelter to my family and doing all that is, I think, just it's a psychological game that you just have to walk out. Um, I thought it was really funny, too, because the um, I used Wes as my agent, Wes Burke. He's mm -hmm. a good buddy of mine. And, yeah. Um, I do this for a living. And so, but you would have loved some of the phone calls that I had with him. Yeah. And he was really good. It also reminded me too about just being able to talk to somebody um, when you get, like I'd get a request for repairs or I'd be preparing one and mm -hmm. you sort of anticipating how it's going to be received. And you know, what's the, is this person just trying to grind me out extra money? Are we renegotiating the sales price right now? Like I call Wes up and I'm like, are these people kidding me? You know, oh, and, and I, he's I just like, <laughs> all right, buddy. He'd just tell me, you know, you got to just chill out. You're going to have to <laughs> rein in your emotions. And yeah. and I'm like, I don't want to rein in my emotions. You know, we already did all this. Now these people are literally like nickel and dimed right. every possible thing. They're not thing. buying and, a new house. Uh, <laughs> this is why we always refer to real estate uh, mortgages crisis management. Yeah. <laughs> it's what it is. It's emotional. It's stressful. Right. Yeah. Your realtor is also your counselor yeah. totally. <laughs> for the next however many months it takes to either sell or buy something. See, and that's one of the key differences too, though, because as much as the loan process can be trying to, people usually get wound up about the loan process where um, we try, because I used to be an underwriter, I trained underwriters, I try to, everyone at our company, we're trying our best to give you a very accurate and exhaustive list of what you need to bring in, mm -hmm. like on day one. Right. That way, when we get an approval, you can hang your hat on it because they've already looked at everything they otherwise are going to ask for. Um, and so hopefully then you only make one more request of the borrower. Exactly. Right? And they're but not piecing things together. The borrower gives you part of what you ask for, and in the interest of keeping moving along, you're just making your best of it while trying to tell them, I really need the other month bank statement, and you're missing page two, and there's a deposit I need to source. And, and so anyway, what usually stresses the buyers out the most is in the loan transaction is the repeated request for additional documentation, um, and it generally is around the assets where money moving in or out, not really clear what it is or where it's coming from. A lot of transactions today are using gift funds, and right. there's a really known process of how those need to, to flow and be documented. And, um, and there's so much more that they ask for now than they oh, used yeah. to. And so a lot of people that are just now buying their home for the first time or they haven't bought a home in, I don't know, 10 years, right. and they go to get pre-qualified, and they're like, oh my gosh, they're asking for this and this and this. I 
I think I'm going to go see another lender. I'm like, it's not going to get any no, better. It's just, <laughs> just how it is now. <laughs> From I that mean, standpoint, I'd venture to say most every lender is looking for the same stuff. Exactly. So you're not going to find a lower documentation type of thing. That's why I think it's funny, too, is that some of those commercials like Quicken, you know, says something like, you know, well, you, what was that one, the do-over refi? I loved that commercial. Oh, and, you know, most of the stuff you provided last time, and it's like, actually, if you're being straight up about it, it's all of the stuff you provided last time. We're going to do all of that again. There's right. no such thing as a do-over. It's a full redo. <laughs> yeah, so just just be prepared if you're, you know, getting pre-qualified or you're buying a house, you know, going to need your DNA sample, blood yeah. type. No, <laughs> and, well, and after you go through that, there's generally this sense, people that have bought 10 years ago, they're like, man, I've never been through this before. This is unbelievable, the kind right. of things that you're asking for. And they're beginning to feel like they're being so scrutinized that somehow yes. they're not worthy. Mm-hmm. And it's a that's a weird dynamic. So I it usually is. just try to tell people, don't take it personal. Right. None of this stuff is personal. And the crazy thing, we're starting to see it back off a little bit now, but for the last few years, it was like, oh, you have Social Security income? Great. Here's what I need. Bank statement showing the proof of deposit, the award letter from Social Security saying they're going to pay you, mm-hmm. the 1099 showing they did pay you, and then the tax returns showing where you claimed it on your tax returns as income. Right. Okay, shouldn't just one of any of those things suffice to show that you actually get Social Security? (laughs) And maybe even just like the bank statements that just say United States Treasury, Social Security for Bob, there's the amount. Is that, that's not enough? The guy's also 65? So at least now we're starting to to see some of that get lightened up a little bit where we're not having to document the same thing with five pieces of info but yeah and it's the same um with my paperwork on the real estate side i mean there's so many more forms now that you need to do a real estate transaction and so many more disclosures and i think that's probably the number one thing that people don't realize when they talk about doing a for sale by owner that's what i was just gonna say like um well you have to be crazy to do a for sale by owner right because Legal, legally wise, if you get sued, the cost that you're, it's going to take to defend yourself for not providing so much is, more. It's going to be so much more than paying the commission. And most of the time, when you do a for sale by owner, you know you don't know the exact value of your house because you don't have a professional no. that's active in the market to be able to advise you on that number. So the amount that you lose in you know in sales price and totally. and the liability is just not even worth it. I always like joke and the stress. that if I if I was of low lower moral standing, I would make a business of buying fizbos and then just suing for most of my money back afterwards <laughs> for the lack of disclosures and you know they're not doing it right. They don't understand or have access even to all the forms. Right. And it's very difficult to get the forms if you're trying to right. do it and knowing which ones to use. Yeah. So the value of a realtor is huge when it be, when it comes to that. Um, it, cause it's very difficult and the, the stress alone of, of knowing that you might not be filling them out correctly or giving the correct forms to the buyer. I mean, <laughs> the peace of mind I think is worth it. I think it's like, to me, it's like heart surgery, you know? Like, if we were on a deserted island and you needed something, I've watched ER enough. <laughs> I got this. I know how to make a trach 
what are they called? A trach- tracheotomy? Yeah, out of a big <laughs> pen. You just take the stab it first, and you take the thing out, and you just put it right there. Yeah, right they did that on the MASH. Right, they right. did that on episode of yeah. MASH, too. You know how I know um, you're not a millennial? Because you just referenced ER. That's been off the air for like 20 years. <laughs> My bad. Ouch. Um, Grey's Anatomy. How's that? Yeah, Grey, I, I watch Grey's Anatomy, so I know all about Such that. Such a hipster. But hey, so bottom line, though, do you... Maybe you actually want to have a surgeon in there. Like, yeah, right. and, a I, professional. and I don't even just want a surgeon that like is at Subway part of the time. I want the guy <laughs> that did two heart surgeries already this morning. Right. Like I want somebody that knows the ins and outs of this. When something's going wrong, they're calm, collected, and know how to get through it because they do it all day, every day. Exactly. Right? In this market, someone like that and that knowledge is absolutely paramount to be able being able to purchase a property or to sell a property. I mean... Now, nowadays, people are coming from all over the world, you know, to live here and mar- marketing your home um, so that it's seen all over the world totally. is su- super important as well. And so taking advantage of those tools online, because 90 percent of you know buyers and sellers go online to find their next house and taking advantage of that market and really being out there on the internet is super important so macy i want to um thank you for coming in today yeah. i never met you before and what a pleasure it's been we have a lot of real estate agents on the show and um i i'm impressed with you oh you, thank you you talk well. I can tell you know what you're doing. You know what you're talking about. I really appreciate um, just your approach. And well, um, thank you for having me on. It's, thank you. It's been awesome getting to sit with you guys and chat about this. Contact info one more time. Okay, one more time. Cell number is six one zero three five nine five. Email Macy Sells. That's M A C I S E L L S at gmail dot com and my website macysells dot com. You can also find me on Facebook. If you guys missed that or you need it, call us this week at 543-LOAN. We can put you in touch with Macy. Um, Thanks again for coming in today. It's really cool to get to spend some time with you and get to know you a little bit. Um, I love it. Pretty exciting. Um, All right. Hey, happy Easter, everybody. We'll be back next week. We got another two-hour live episode coming, so uh, hopefully we'll see you then. Take care. Happy Easter.